Welcome back, guys. This is the Full Send Perspective Week 4 Recap and Week 5 Preview. I'm Ryan Lamering with Josh Lewis and Justin Schreiner. Uh, we were missing A.J. Waldron tonight as he is still recovering from his wedding this past weekend. Uh, congrats to the guy. Uh, some of us were there. Um, it was a good time. Beautiful wedding. Beautiful wedding. It was a good time. Uh, but enough about that. Let's t- start talking about football. So opening comments from Justin. What do you got, man? So one of our earlier podcasts this season was about um, college playoff expansion and how much it was needed. And one of my thoughts was how boring the playoff was getting with the same teams. And well, I don't think we're going to have that problem this year, boys. Yeah, I know. It looks wide open. There were some big upsets. There were some big wins. I'm excited. And uh, uh, while to bring back the wedding just real quick, we were at that wedding. So I was literally seeing every everything after the fact. And it was just like bombarded with all the upsets and everything that was happening. It was awesome. Yeah, I was I was at the, the center table as I was in the wedding. And Josh comes up to me and he goes, oh, did you see this happen and that happen? And I was like, yeah, I looked at my phone, uh, but I didn't really get to see some of these games. We tried to watch as much football as we could. Uh, the main one that we saw the most of, I'd say, was that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game that we'll talk about. Uh, but overall, kind of crazy week in the Big Ten, which I like. I, I, I like that each week we got something new to talk about, and that's why this podcast is, is fun, and we're going to – keep going so we're gonna get right into it uh we're gonna start with the akron and ohio state game uh for me ohio state bounce back week with kyle mccord at the helm Uh, ohio state wins 59 to 7 i know it makes josh happier to see some scores like that rather than the week prior and it's a close game with tulsa going into the fourth uh but see now it's you know all these cupcake games for ohio state are over i believe i think they got Mm -hmm. uh Rutgers. Yeah, they're at Rutgers. Yeah. So Big Ten play starts now, and mm-hmm. this is the last tune-up game for them to kind of fix any issues that they have, and let's see what happens going forward. Yeah, I mean, my parents were at the game with my sister and my cousin, and they had a great time. Um, always a great experience up there, especially it being a weird cupcake slash primetime game, but uh, I believe Big Ten Network just has to fill that primetime slot every other weekend, so... Um, but yeah, uh, overall, you know, this is exactly the type of win that the team needed. Um, Kyle McCord looked a little rough to start off, but um, I think the biggest thing I took from it was that he doesn't look that much better than Stroud right now. So I think moving forward, Stroud's still going to be the play, the starter. Um, that also depends on his shoulder. And I think the biggest news and the biggest drama of the whole game was uh, Pope, our uh, one of our linebackers, um, throwing off his jersey, his gloves, and just basically quitting mid-game. Um, that was kind of insane. Uh, I asked my parents if they, had, if they saw that while they were there. They didn't, but um, there was some, definitely some memes, and basically he got dismissed by Ryan Day because – I'm sorry, you can't uh, you can't pull that shit, especially at Ohio State, and expect to stay on the roster. So he's gone. I think he I think I saw today he just an, uh, entered the transfer portal. Um, I mean it's a shame, but according to the what happened, I think he was trying to come on for a coverage a punk coverage or something, and uh, Terajad Mitchell um, basically waved him back off, you know, saying I got it, like I'm staying on, and uh, it just 
basically set him off and he just went ballistic and took a, a few assistants to calm him down and he actually walked off the field so um kind of uh kind of crazy you don't see that a whole lot and of course since it happened at ohio state it was the biggest one of the biggest news lines uh, throughout the the weekend so um but yeah other than that great win and got a tough one against Rutgers coming up yeah that was that was definitely bizarre i uh one of my buddies texted me that and i i mean as a you know a hater of ohio state i kind of chuckled but clearly the kid has some issues he's got to get straightened out in his life it's kind of neat ohio state still you know, letting him be on scholarship to finish out the semester or whatever. But yeah, he's yeah. got to figure some things out. Touching on some things that you guys already mentioned about the quarterback uh, starting slow, but actually you know, finishing somewhat strong, throwing up good thir- uh, 319 yards and uh, two touchdowns. Um, you got to wonder if there's some quarterback controversy going on in Ohio State. It'll be interesting to see uh, who they move with moving forward. But if you're a Buckeye fan, you got to hope they don't pull the Jeff Brom and start, you know, pulling quarterbacks in and out, in and out, in and out. That's always frustrating to watch. Um, but if you're Ohio State, I still think you got to roll with your running backs. That's your true bread and butter and let your quarterbacks mature naturally and, you know, don't put them in a bad position and let them grow, you know. So yeah. be the running backs at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh... To Justin's point about the quarterback issue, I, well, and Josh at the same time, I don't think that they're going to stick with McCord. I think they'll go back to Stroud. I think that they Stroud is their guy coming into the year. Now, granted, he lost to Oregon, um, but we can't put that all on Stroud. There's a lot of different things that happen in that game. So I think it is Stroud's to lose, and until he does something that, like him himself, costs Ohio State a game, I don't see Ryan Day really yanking the chain on him. So we talked about this game against Rutgers. Let's move on. Let's talk about that Rutgers at Michigan game. Uh, Michigan wins 20 to 13. Uh, Watching the highlights of this game, it looked like Michigan was kind of in control for most of this game. Uh, I I wouldn't say in control as much as like Rutgers also didn't really capitalize either. Um, I know they had like a missed field goal and some other uh, mistakes, but overall, the, the key that we've been talking about all year with for Michigan is a running game. Um, so if they can keep that strong, who knows what happened, what will happen with this Michigan team going forward. Yeah. I, um, I didn't really get to pay attention too much to this game. I, I watched the tail end of it and, uh, you know, Rutgers hung in there. They had a chance late, um, you know, drive into potentially tie the game and little time left on the clock, but, Obviously, Michigan's running game is their asset, but, you know, I've, I think the biggest key in them being so steady so far, despite them playing max schools and beating the shit out of them, is them not turning the ball over yet this year, you know. Um, when and if they start doing that, you might start seeing scores differ substantially and they might actually get some L's on their schedule. Um, one of my favorite sayings in all of life is water finds its level. So you got to look at, you know, they're mm-hmm. probably due to start turning the ball over and especially with them getting a little bit more competitive Big Ten games, they might just start dropping some games. You never know. Uh, I think that this was a huge game. And we talk about, like, what happened in the national stage of college football, but, like, seeing this Rutgers team lose to Michigan by seven in 
what was a really close game. Um, Michigan dominated early on. I watched this whole game through um, on Monday, and they were dominating early on, and they pretty much had it secured. But that second half, I mean, Rutgers just – I mean, they freaking grinded back, man. Isaiah Pacheco was running the ball. Uh, Noah Bedrill, a guy that – We've, you know, been 50-50 on throughout this podcast, even last year. I think he played a really tough game. Um, yeah, he uh, – and speaking of no turnovers, actually the fumble that Nevedro had in the final minute, 49 seconds, was Rutgers' first turnover of the year. I mean, this is a program that was religiously getting dominated by Michigan by like 50-plus points and other teams. And seeing them only lose by seven and giving Michigan kind of a scare at home – I mean, that's exactly what you, we want to see these programs become. And I think it's this was a monumental game, and Rutgers should hold their head high because, I mean, the way they played was extremely impressive. Um, Shiana's doing an amazing job there, and I've been high on Rutgers all year, you guys. And AJ, I know you're listening to this and going to chuckle a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Rutgers is good, man, and the program is looking nothing but up. They got some assets on their team. Um, and, you know, if they just – limit those mistakes which is hard to do especially when you're playing a team like michigan and that's what it basically came down to was that one fumble and i think they also had a missed field goal earlier in the second half so i mean hats off to Rutgers. um they're gonna hopefully get into a solid bowl game this year they're gonna be tough in the east and honestly as an ohio state fan um they're going back home getting ohio state uh uh come, coming home after a tough one against michigan so i mean Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And uh, I'm really proud of the Rutgers team. As for Michigan, um, you know, kind of like what Justin just said, like with playing all these MAC teams and everything, um, I, get, I think they, they may have been looking forward a little to looking forward a little bit after that first half. Um, but uh, they didn't finish strong at all, which is kind of concerning because Michigan uh, had, that's been a problem under Harbaugh, is not finishing strong. Um, so that's something we need to keep an eye on as well as we get into the Big Ten play and as Michigan starts to play tougher opponents like this week. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the Colorado State-Iowa game. Uh, the one thing I want to point out is that Colorado State was winning this game 14-7 to at half. Um, not a very good look for the Iowa Hawkeyes being the number five team at home. Um, you know, they only had 224 passing yards, only 54 rushing yards. Uh, Goodson only had 50, well, Goodson had 57. Let's see, yeah, 57 yards. So a really low game for Goodson. Um, you really don't like seeing that against, like I said, a team like Colorado State that is now one and three. Um, but Iowa had a second half, they scored 17 points. They got the job done. They packed up, they went home. Uh, but is there anything you guys see concerning about this game? The only thing no. that I see – sorry, Josh. Uh, the only thing that I see is um, with the halftime score and the first half struggles, you know, obviously the team's talented, but you got to maybe look at a lack of, you know, motivation going into this game, and that might just be a maturity issue, or it could just be that maybe they were off. Maybe it's nothing concerning at all, but, I mean – if your team is really, really good, you're going to beat the hell out of everybody. You know, you're not going to really have any missteps or reason to find any deficiencies on your team. But yeah, that first half is uh, them was somewhat concerning. But they they ended up pulling away. But I would think that it was it was merely just a lack of motivation and drive to compete 
on Saturday with the team that, you know, going in, they, they knew they were going to be regardless. Yeah, I, like I said earlier in the year when we were um, after that Iowa State game where you were bringing up concerns on the offense, I mean, there's no doubt this is a defensive team. So, I mean, uh, uh, th- th- these type of teams um, where it's a really, really good defense and, you know, uh, an offense that gets the job done or t- to say, I wouldn't say an average offense because Sam Laporta looks amazing. Tommy Goodson's great. And Petrus is a great grand manager. He gets it done. But, um, I mean – they're not gonna. They're, they're not an offensive team. They're not gonna blow people out per se. And they really haven't these past few weeks. Uh, beating up on uh, who was it last week? Kent State. Um, I know they eventually pulled it out, but they kind of struggled with them to begin with. And um, who else was before that? Uh, as Iowa State. But regardless, um, I think that while, like kind of what Justin said, like while the score in the first half was kind of close and it was a little edge of your seat. It's like one of those where like you knew they were never gonna lose per se, and then they eventually got the lead, and then it closed out the win. Um, but uh, moving into conference, the conference slate, uh, they got a really tough challenge this week um, on a Friday night game, uh, uh, going to uh, uh, Maryland. So uh, we'll have to see how they do there. But overall, I mean, this is kind of like the the style of win I'd expect from them, and. Um, while there is some concerns with maybe how they started, I really don't think that uh, it's going to be too big of an issue. But as always, got to keep an eye on it. So this is another thing that I think goes back to the comment I made a couple weeks ago about like what's going to happen if their defense isn't scoring points for them. And I think this right here is exactly what we have. We don't have their defense kind of keeping them in this game. This game, their offense was kind of forced to make some plays. Um, and they did just enough to win this game. But to me, like, I think this team, I don't want to say that they're over-ranked or overrated because they haven't done anything. They haven't lost a game. They beat some quality opponents. So I think they've done enough to put themselves in that position right now. <clears throat> My only question is, is, will they sustain it throughout the rest of the year throughout Big Ten play? So that's that's something that we'll have to, to see. And like Josh mentioned, this week, this game this week is a huge test to see do they really deserve that number five ranking? So on that note, you guys have anything else to say about that game? Or can we go ahead and move on? One last thing on it. Um, what you kind of just hit on is, you know, mentioning their opportunistic defensive play. If that is truly a strength of their team, then, you know, that, that to me, that's a really consistent strength because you can't really depend on, you know, turnovers that much, especially getting points off of them. So they're definitely going to find some some points during this Big Ten slate where that's not going to happen, either due to just, you know, bad luck or just facing teams that are, you know, take care of the ball. So um, that'll be mm-hmm. an interesting thing moving forward as well. All right. So moving on to the game of the week, uh, the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. Uh, like I said, this is the game I saw the most of. Um, so it's kind of funny. So before the ceremony, uh, we watched pretty much the whole game and I think it was, yeah, like 10 to 10 or 13 to 10 or something like that. We go down for the ceremony and then we come back from the ceremony and it's 41 to 13 and we're like, what the hell happened? But I guess there was like a couple pick sixes in there. I think there was some, yeah. uh, Yeah. So, um, to be honest, I didn't really see 
especially after watching the first part, like first half, I didn't really see Wisconsin finishing this game out. Um, their offense, they just – I mean, Graham Mertz, one touchdown, four interceptions, that says it all. Their offense is very stagnant. Um, Malusi's a solid runner, but, I mean, Wisconsin to me – my, they're not keeping up with my – they're going to go undefeated prediction. They're not helping me out at all. Um, I'm already down two in the first three games, um, and their road doesn't get any easier. I mean, they, they go – or they host Michigan this week, but, you know, it they could lose that game very easily too. So there's a lot of wrong things happening in Madison right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Justin. Okay, so – Justin. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, We're so, just kind of off today. <laughs> similar, similarly to Ryan and you guys at the wedding, I was at my sister's helping out with some things. and uh, I was keeping an eye on it. Um, didn't have the volume on very high, so I wasn't really engaged with it too much. But, you know, watching the game be tight, you know, almost halfway th- through the second half and all of a sudden it's significantly lopsided this was pretty crazy and, and like you said some very extreme plays took place like there was a pick six and there was even a kickoff return for a touchdown so you know watching those plays transpire this is definitely not your father's 90s wisconsin team you know where they're not mm-hmm. very solid in all three phases of the game they definitely got some deficiencies um, especially a quarterback man and this this goes with every team in the country you know if you want to be an elite team if you want to be really good you have to have a quarterback that, you know, is, is great, carries your team, and it's not just a game manager. And definitely not worse than a game manager, which I think almost in some respect Wisconsin's quarterback is. Um, and uh, I could be wrong here, but I don't think they really have, like, a truly standout running back this year that they can just, you know, feed the ball and then just let their big uglies up front blow people away and let him eat. But – yeah, they, they got to figure some things out. Um, you know, they've been exposed. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, for once in my life, actually agreed with something that Joel Klatt brought up toward the beginning of the game, was that this game was more than just Notre Dame-Wisconsin. It was Jack Cohn and Graham Mertz. And the storyline behind it, you know, was huge. I mean, this is – a freshman that Wisconsin was like, this is our guy. And Jack Cohn was like, I have to leave. And he went to Notre Dame. So this was very much a game of one of these quarterbacks proving, um, you know, which one was, you know, which one's right, which one is better. And by far it is Jack Cohn. Mertz literally proved that he is not it. I mean, uh, like you said, it was still a one-score game up until the final, like, what, four minutes of the fourth? It went from a one-score game to 41, uh, what was it, 41-13, 41-10. He literally threw, like, two pick sixes, and he looked god-awful. I mean, hats off to the Wisconsin defense, honestly, because this score, I mean, if you didn't actually watch the game, could reflect bad defense. I think Wisconsin defense played amazing. They sacked, uh, they sacked Cone, like, six or seven times like it was crazy they were getting jack sanborn's getting back there a great effort on wisconsin's defense part but literally graham mertz is uh he, he basically let him down i mean that defense played amazing and he could not get it done he's making awful throws awful decisions and uh i think the defense could only keep him in the game for so long and it got blown open um uh, but hats off to wisconsin's defense for at least uh uh, sticking in there and I think played a great game and you know um, 
once again, I think uh, Notre Dame, uh, it was, like I said, it was a tough game, but it seemed like uh, Graham Mertz won that game more for uh, uh, Notre Dame than Notre Dame won it for themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, I was not impressed with his performance. And um, I think that it easily, I think Jack Cohn can feel a lot better about his decision to leave now and uh, kind of get that little revenge, especially since Mertz did it to himself uh, over, over this game. So I want to knock out though, right? Cohn got knocked out and Drew Pine came in for Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame hasn't looked that good all year offensively. So Cohn might not even have the job anymore. Well, and my thing is, is on that too, like my counter argument is like, I don't think Jack Cohn. Okay. So I think the only difference is I think Jack Cohn has shown that he can throw the ball a little bit better than what people thought on the switch from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. But I really don't think that he's done enough to really make me feel like he's that different of a quarterback. Like I, I think he's, he's still not. The argument isn't that though. And what is the argument? The argument was the argument was it was is Jack Cohn better than Graham Mertz? And Jack Cohn, whether he got knocked out or not, he didn't throw four interceptions. He didn't throw two pick sixes and ultimately lost the game. And I think yeah, that's the biggest difference. <laughs> I mean, he was getting sacked left and right, but that was Wisconsin's defense more than anything. Yeah, I I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to tell because you know you're Whole new team, whole new scheme, whole new players. Um, yeah, I, I do think Jack Cohn with, with this Wisconsin team might do better than – well, I think without question he'd probably do better than what Graham Mertz is doing uh, now. But I don't – I guess I don't think Notre Dame itself is making Jack Cohn that much of a better player. I think it's just Notre Dame has a lot better team. So there's a lot of different arguments you can make there. Um, I want to get to another team that's struggling, and it's another team from the Northwoods, and that is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, they lose to Bowling Green, and I just want to point something out here. Bowling Green preseason was projected to win 1.5 games. Uh, Bowling Green sits at 2-2, two and two, so congrats to them for beating the odds there. But this is not a game – that Minnesota should be losing. What is going on with Minnesota? Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, I just watched a few highlights of this game, and I mean, we can blame it on Ibrahim being out, which that offense revolves around. I mean, Tanner Morgan did awful. I think he got you like negative fantasy points in our matchup, Ryan. Um, uh, I was high on Minnesota going into this year, but after the Ibrahim injury, it kind of seems like this team is not operating the same, which is weird because, you know, he only affects one side of the ball. Um, there's no reason why I should have lost this game of Bowling Green. Um, I saw, like, this ugly fumble recovery that, like, hit or bounced off of, like, 10 different guys trying to dive on it. And Minnesota still got back, and they still lost the game. It, it's just it's just disappointing, especially after they blew out Colorado, a team that uh, only lost to A&M by four points. So it's kind of like that ladder effect where you think, OK, you know, they just beat Colorado who beat A&M, but A&M just lost to Arkansas. And it's it's a whole, you know, you can go so many different ways with it. But that's what makes college football great is like you could be 
whoever, but who's to say that they're actually shit? I think that's what proved it this week because we thought, you know, Colorado's not a bad team. They did pretty good against A&M. So thus we think Minnesota might be that not that bad. And then they lose by four points to freaking Bowling Green at home. So, yeah, I mean, I have not, not, not too much to say about this. I've kind of – I might be shut for a bit on Minnesota this year, um, you know, just because – once it's not gonna get any easier once it gets to conference play. Luckily, they they play in the West, so you know you got Illinois um, to play against, and Northwestern which also is only too hot. So, I mean, yeah, just disappointing, and uh, I don't think we can blame the Ibrahim injury too much anymore because you know that's done and over with. You got to rebound, next man up. Yeah, I think uh, Justin, I'll let you go. Sorry, I was just um, Minnesota was favored. Like thirty-one points, oh um, and the one th- the one stat line I want to point out is Tanner Morgan was five for thirteen with two interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, I think Tanner Morgan has just flat out regressed ever since his first year with Minnesota and PJ Fleck. I don't think he's the same quarterback at all, um, and I, I I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that as well. Um, but Justin, what do you guys say about this game? So, so Josh, well, in in you know talking about college football and how near it is, you know the whole like six degree of separation when you're looking at this team played this team did this, but this they did this against that. Um, you know, there's so much parity in the game. Um, you know, it's and, and especially in college sports, it's not necessarily who you play, but when you play them, especially when you got teams that are so emotional and, you know, be just not motivated, you know, in the same sense that Iowa wasn't against Colorado State, the same could have been said for Minnesota here. Um, I personally didn't watch one second of this game and it was by design because I personally thought it was a matchup between two garbage teams. I've been saying <laughs> Minnesota isn't good the whole time. Um, with all due respect to them losing their running back and arguably the best running back in college sports, if that's how you feel, um, you have a good argument if you said that. Um, but this is a bad sign, man. I mean, PJ Fleck has been at Minnesota just as long as Brom has at Purdue. If you've got, if you're in your fourth to fifth year at a school, this is when your depth comes into play. How have you recruited? You know, when you when you when you're losing guys that are going to carry your team in a sense. Now it's time for your young guys to step up and maybe you know be productive here. And that clearly wasn't the case. Um, and you know going back to the not being motivated in this game, you know, goes to coaching too, you know, what are you doing during the week to get your guys ready? Um, answer Ryan's question about um, their quarterback. That is another concerning thing. You know, you don't want your senior quarterback to regress, you know, at some point when, when you're playing ball like this, you're going to look at the guy behind them and see what he's got. And that's, that's unfortunate because, you know, that kid, has been great for that program. You know, they won 11 games a couple of years ago. So, I mean, they're just not good this year. It's it's almost, I mean, they're clearly regressing as a program. So um, mm-hmm. something needs to be lit underneath them to get things going, but it's not looking too good. Um, Row the boat. Yeah, right into the <laughs> ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see that. We'll get into it a little bit, but this Minnesota-Purdue game that's coming up this weekend, I'll be there. Uh, this is a good game to really see. I'm saying this even after this Bowling Green game, but I think this is a really good game to see where their identities are 
like who really are these teams? Um, is Minnesota really that bad or are they just going back and forth or is Purdue kind of going to be a solid team in the West? Um, the reason why I mentioned that is because of this Purdue Illinois game from this past weekend, uh, it's 13 to nine score, um, all field goals, except for that one touchdown to TJ Sheffield and towards the end of the game. Um, I, I didn't get to see most of this game, but it looked like Jeff Brom did the whole switching quarterbacks thing. Plummer wasn't moving the ball. So we brought in O'Connell. The only issue I see with O'Connell is yes, he looks like he's has the ability to move the ball field more. Uh, but I feel like he's a little more careless with it and has the ability to turn it over. And I've seen from him in multiple games, he'll turn it over in the red zone, which is not good, especially in a game like this Illinois game where it's low scoring. Um, but yeah, I, I think the other thing that I have to say about this game is Purdue is very banged up. Uh, they got really hurt, um, but they still found a way to win against a not-so-good Illinois team? So I watched, again, I was in transit from my sisters to my place during this game, and I almost think it was a blessing because this game was just rough. It was not entertaining at all. Um, I had some real concerns heading into this game, and they were definitely justified. Um, if it wasn't for Purdue having a very competent kicker, you'd be looking at a loss here. So – um, one thing that Ryan hit on was the quarterback switch. And unlike the, the game against Notre Dame, this one was absolutely necessary. So if you look at Purdue's offense right now, outside of them being depleted by injury, they are very one-dimensional. You are not moving the ball, running the football, and Plummer is not escaping the pocket efficiently and moving the ball in that respect. So you are forced to go to your best passer, who, like Ryan said, is moving the ball up and down the field. If you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, it's not pretty, but if you also watch the plays in which the majority of those interceptions are happening, it's going through the receiver's hands, or it's just frankly an outstanding play by the defender. Um, so moving forward, in my opinion, I'm thinking it has to be O'Connell that plays because, I mean, you have to be willing to give up an inter or yeah an interception or two or whatever. I think you've got the defense this year to combat that. You know, unlike the past, um, to where I think you know in in most games that's going to even out. Um, so obviously you're not trying to turn the ball over, but if they happen, I think you've got the sufficient defensive philosophy and players and effort you know to combat those turnovers. Um, once O'Connell came in, man, they didn't look bad. Obviously, like Ryan said, they turned the ball over in the red zone. Obviously, don't let you do that, but I, I, props to Brown, man. I mean, that quarterback switch arguably won them the game, you know. So, on to the next one. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of this game either. Um, I saw the highlights, but it just looked like another sloppy game on both ends, kind of ugly, um, like you guys hit on. Uh, but I guess the biggest thing to talk about is what you uh, is the the quarterback switching. Um, I mean, I've seen this so many times in college football, even sometimes at the NFL level. In my honest opinion, I do not like it. I think it's um, I don't think it, it it should only be necessary when it's necessary. And when I say that, I mean like that's something that needs to happen the week before or like after the game, not in the middle of it. Um, I'm one of those like Ryan really dies and 
I think a good example of that was when we were at Purdue and uh, I think it was a night game against Northwestern and Sindelar got pulled for Blau after he had thrown two interceptions. Um, one of those interceptions, three was, interceptions, but yeah. Okay. But any, regardless, they to were, point, I think it was a tie game. Okay. Regardless, it was, they were still in the game and one of those interceptions was 100% the wide receivers fault and they pull them and they put Blau in and, in my opinion, like, did they win the game? No, they still lost, and it was mo- mostly because of defensive error. But th- in that situation, like, to me, you still ride with that guy. And I know it makes sense to yank him and get a new fr- fresh uh, face in and try to uh, uh, change something up. But that also kills that confidence for that other quarterback. And then you're kind of forced to keep writing the guy you put in and then he'll eventually fail. And then you got to put the other guy that you already bailed on back in and he's not fresh. He's been out for a game or two. And then you just kind of get into this mess. And to me, I feel like you ride the guy out to the end. Even if you take the L, you take the L. You figure that stuff off that week in practice. You figure that stuff up the the next day. But you don't want to kill one quarterback's confidence get another one and then set him up to fail and also kill his confidence. So I don't know who's the better quarterback between Plummer and O'Connell. I know you guys seem like you guys are more on O'Connell. I don't, I think that not having David Bell is a huge factor as well, considering he's such an offensive threat. He's supposed to come back this week. Uh, I think he's still in the concussion protocol right now. Um, Okay. As much or as well as a bunch of other guys. So Ryan, you might have to interject real quick. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. So, Josh, sorry to interrupt you. Um, to hit on a couple of your points, um, one, um, if you're worried about quarterback um, confidence, I mean, who cares? You know, the head coach's job is, is to win ball games. In my opinion, it, this is kind of a hit or miss situation. It very much reminds me of a Major League Baseball managerial situation. It's very much off field right now, which, which, is, a, which is a factor I don't really like that much, um, which – the Notre Dame move was very much feel, and it was almost like he was trying to find a spark, which I if I hated that. But in this circumstance, I mean, if you're so one-dimensional right now on offense and, and you're saying who's a better quarterback, and especially when you're using, you know, a, a quote, unquote, walk-on and a freshman running back with an offensive line that could, is definitely on the bottom portion of, of the conference as far as competency is concerned. O'Connell is the best quarterback. He throws the best ball. Um, he's the elder statesman in the, in the quarterback's room, so you think he has a better grasp on playbook. Um, and, you know, Purdue fans have a very high respect for Joe Taylor. He, he did that. He's done this before. In 2002, he did the same thing with Brandon Hans and Kyle Lord. He was pulling them back and forth, back and forth. I'm pretty sure they both played in, you know, 80% of those games. Sometimes it works, sometimes it, it, it didn't. Frankly, you know, if you're playing two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So you're just trying to navigate the season that feels the best the best situation, play who's hot. Um, that's how, you know, I, I, that's just how I feel about it. You know, if, if you're looking down the road and sorry to drag this Purdue game on, um, frankly, you're looking at Brady Allen and Michael Amo for next summer. That's what it's going to be because, you know, in my opinion, with all due respect to Plummer, I'm in, in Josh, Josh's arguments defense, I think Plummer's probably going to transfer out. I think so. I think next summer is going to be 
Brady Allen and Michael Amo show, you know, and, and hopefully one of those yeah. guys comes out on top. So you have that one guy, you know, because right now Purdue yeah. has two, which means they have zero. So yeah. my thing is not, it's not that it's a bad idea. To me, there's, it's a strategy. And my, my, stra- the strategy that I like better is sticking with one. I'm not saying that like swapping them in and out isn't a bad, is a bad thing or it doesn't, it doesn't work because it can. It's just definitely a strategy that Brahms choosing to do. And the way I would do it and the way that I believe in more is sticking with one. Um, to me, it, to me, I feel like, you know, even if he's playing bad, you know, there's still that next drive you can improve upon. There's still something you can do. And if you can finish out that game, just doing at least one thing positive, cool. But like when you get, when you pull someone out, that just messes up with that other quarterback's rhythm. And then if that next guy can't produce, then you get into that cycle. And to me, that's more of a self-destructive cycle. To, and I've seen plenty of cases of this. I mean, um, I hate to bring it up, but it's an obvious one. It's the Cardell Jones, JT Barrett thing. That did not work. It was detrimental to the team's success. And eventually it took Irvin to just be like, all right, we're sticking with JT. And that's what they did. And I feel like at some point you need to do that. You just have to find which one is going to do better and just stick with him. And you can't just flip-flop throughout the whole entire season. Um, Yeah, it is about winning games, but, you know, you're also not – but also switching isn't necessarily going to allow you to win games either. I feel like you definitely need to pick one, stick with him, and uh, if you do need to make a change, do it Do it in that week. Prepare that next quarterback that week to go into it, you know, um, with fresh confidence and everything. And that's the way I look at it. And, uh, I mean, I have faith that Purdue is going to figure it out. Because, um, you know, who they have this week? They have uh, Minnesota, Minnesota. And as we just talked about, they're not the they're not looking like the strongest teams. This is definitely a good team, a good matchup to get, uh, you know, whoever comes out there first to really get tuned up and get going. So I got one more comment to make. Um, the interesting thing to me is like Plummer first couple drives drove Purdue down the field near the red zone, but then they got field goals out of it. So like, it's not like the offense was that stagnant to the point that like they weren't driving at all. Uh, maybe after those first two field goals, it, it did become stagnant and that's probably why they made the switch. Um, but my thing is, is like when you get, when you're driving, and you get into the red zone, like you, you can't be settled for field goals all day long. And I, I think that's kind of where this <coughs> decision came um, to uh, to switch <laughs> as we got some background noise. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I want to flip this same game, but I want to talk about Illinois real quick because I don't want to leave them in the dark. Um, there is a highlight. Um, McCray, the running back, had 155, 156 yards on the ground. So Illinois was able to move the ball. They just couldn't get into the red zone. I mean, they finished with about 300 yards. So not terrible. Could be a lot worse. Um, I just think this team is not very good right now. Obviously, they're one of four. They're in a rebuilding year. Um, I think Brett Belima is a decent coach. I think he'll be able to figure things out. He's back in the Midwest where he's always been. Um, just real quick comments from you guys on Illinois, and then we'll move on. I um, I mean, I was definitely impressed with their running game. That's for sure. I mean, it's, that, it was con- concerning watching Purdue's defense give up like that. I mean, that was honestly like the reason why I thought Purdue was going to inevitably drop this game if – 
the running they were running at will it, in in a in the late third quarter and fourth quarter it very much felt like records from last year um there peters i mean him playing for illinois it feels a lot like cone playing for notre dame it just it, i mean he's not really getting it done there right now i mean he's clearly the better the best quarterback on the roster which frankly isn't saying much but um <laughs> there's they're struggling i mean you say they're in a rebuilding mode they've they they're in like a rebuilding like debt like multiple decade scenario here <laughs> who knows if they get out of this thing but no, they didn't look bad though. They really didn't. I don't know what that says about either team. I guess we'll find out next week. I mean, I don't have too much to say on Illinois. Um, I know we've talked about, uh, you know, um, they've looked good in games and they've looked bad in games. Um, I mean, using, I mean, they 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 win one against uh, Nebraska starting off, and then they turn around and lose to UTSA. Um, and they got swapped by Virginia. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I just uh, – it, it's it's a rebuild. They're definitely one of those programs where they're just looking to, you know, finish the season on some kind of positive note, let, uh, let, let him get his uh, recruits in, um, and uh, let's just see how they finish. But, uh, yeah, um, they did play um, – I'm, I'm not gonna say a tough game because this pretty the Purdue this game was pretty pretty sloppy on both sides, but yeah. All right, so next game we're gonna hit on Villanova at Penn State. Uh, Penn, I think the score was like thirty-eight to seventeen or something like that. I'm looking for it right now. Um, yeah, thirty-eight to seventeen. Um, just another solid performance for Penn State. Um, I don't really like the fact that their defense gave up 17 points, but looking at the box score, yeah. uh, it was 14 points in the fourth quarter, so it was garbage time. So, I mean, this is just another tune-up game for Penn State. Um, they go into – let's see who they play. Oh, they, yeah, they got IU next week. So, uh, yeah, I think Penn State, to me, is looking like the front-runner in the Big Ten at this moment. That is always subject to change, but you know, right now I chalked him up as a definite playoff contender. Um, but there's still a lot of football left. I'd say they're definitely the best team in the Big Ten right now. Um, that I'm also really glad I have Sean Clifford starting. <laughs> that really panned out. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, no, I, yeah, he's looking like an elite quarterback, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Shut up on him, huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> next week, uh, playing IU is a revenge game, in my opinion. They got screwed last oh, year. Yeah. They actually won that game. So, no doubt they're going to lay the hammer down on this week. So, I'm, just as a preview, I think Penn State's got this one in the bag. Yeah, um, it was, you know, we all knew it was gonna, they were going to get blown out. Um, it was nice to see. I think it was the first time they played, they played each other in – God, was it like 70, 70 something years or something crazy like that? Um, them being uh, two of the bigger uh, schools in the, in the state of Pennsylvania and having a, a little bit of a uh, rivalry per se, not sports related, but you know, just for the people of Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, I mean, Penn State looks great. They're going to keep rolling. Um, definitely, they're ranked fourth right now in the nation, so they are in the playoff right now in a in a way. Um, yeah, they just need to keep on winning. They got a they got a pretty good matchup with IU this week, and uh, like 
uh, you're appreciating Sean Clifford. I'm happy to have Jahan Dotson. He is looking amazing this year, and he is a great asset to my fantasy team. Yeah, so moving on, we're going to go to the next game, uh, Ohio against Northwestern. I could not figure out this Northwestern team at all. Um, 35-6 to six victory. I mean, obviously, Ohio is not that great. They're an 0-4 MAC team. But, like, Northwestern has not been playing that well at all either. Um, so, in Northwestern, let's see, they got next week. They have uh, – looks like they have a bye week. Nebraska. Oh, they got Nebraska. they're at Nebraska. Okay, yeah, that was the last, Nebraska. last game on the, the chart there. So, yeah, um, I think they're 0-2 in Big Ten play or 0-1. One of the two, I don't know. But, yeah, this Northwestern team um, – Winning against Ohio is not really that great of a feat. Um, it's not – doesn't really show us anything. So, definitely still a rebuilding year like we've been talking about for Pat, for Pat Fitzgerald. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this game? That pretty much sums it up right there. So, let's go ahead yeah. and – let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, Kent State at Maryland. Uh, it seems like Kent State's just going to play all the Big Ten teams, I guess, and get – their ass is whooped. Uh, 37 to 16. Uh, Maryland's obviously had control of this game. Another tune up game before their big time showdown with Iowa this week. Uh, Maryland's sitting at 4 0 right now. Um, definitely looking like a team that could make some noise in the East, like we've been talking about. Uh, what do you guys got to say about that? Uh, Ken State got another great paycheck uh, this past weekend. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Maryland is doing all they need to do, you know. I mean, you look at a lot of the really good Big Ten teams in the past, and, you know, if you look at that Illinois game, all you got to do is survive in advance, you know, just make sure you don't have blemishes on your schedule. A win's a win, and that's what they've done so far. Yeah, their offense is fantastic. They have so many weapons. Um, Tagovailoa is playing great. Defense, on the other hand, not too hot. Um that's what's going to be uh, their downfall in these bigger games. Um, I think their offense is going to give uh, some teams like Penn State, Iowa, you know, uh, some fits. Um, but I still feel like they're going to finish, have a solid season, uh, get a nice bowl game, and get us a nice win for the Big Ten in that bowl game. Um, but uh, uh, I just feel like they don't have enough. Uh, they're too – they're definitely t- uh, one one-dimensional to the point where – it's not going to allow them to uh, win a whole bunch of games against some more balanced teams. But uh, their offense is great to watch. I love watching their highlights. I have Dante Demas on my fantasy team as well, and he's he's having an amazing senior year so far, uh, really building up his resume uh, for the draft this year. So, uh, yep, just a nice solid win on Maryland before a primetime game against Iowa. All right, so we have two more games to uh, review from last week. I'm going to let you guys take a pick. Do you want to talk about IU at Western Kentucky or Nebraska at Michigan State? Save the save the better one for last. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll go IU at Western Kentucky. Um, did either one of you guys see any of this game? Because I did, I did not. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you I go ahead and start I saw a few then. of the sc- – yeah, I saw a few of the touchdowns. Um, 
IU should not have lost by, I mean, lost one by two points against Western Kentucky. That is, that is unacceptable. Um, I know that that last touchdown came in garbage time, but I mean, the score uh, is something that uh, uh, the pollsters do look at, unfortunately, and we can get into that more about how much research they actually do. But I mean, that's something that, you know, I'm still trying to look for a bowl bid, and I mean, that looks a little ugly. Um, I did see uh, uh, Western Kentucky uh, kind of moving the ball um, however they wanted. And I was surprised to see that most of that scoring happened in the second half. And that's when uh, McFadden, their all-star linebacker that was uh, uh, knocked out of the first half came back in. Yeah. So I was kind of shocked to see that. I felt like they had shut him down at that point having him back, but it looked like they actually scored most of their points in the second half. So um, IU got a lot of issues um, on both ends. Michael Penix luckily didn't throw any interceptions this game. So that in itself is a surprise. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you shouldn't be beating uh, Western Kentucky by only two points, especially uh, when you're looking to be bowl eligible and a uh, uh, upper team. So I hate to sound like a broken record here, but this is one of those games that isn't going to exist here in the near future with this alliance. Um, this is one of those lose-lose games for a Big Ten program going on the road to, you know, I don't even know what the hell conference this school is in. Um, so performance-wise, it's it's really concerning. Like Josh just mentioned that Penix didn't throw a pick and it was still a struggle bus for this team. Um, you'd have figured he was throwing the ball over the field to the other team with this, with this final score here. But, man, I really is not what we thought they were for sure. Um, no. And Penn State is going to dump truck next week. It's going to happen. I feel yeah. like I feel like they're still going to pull off at least one big win because they have enough talented players to do that, you know. And I regrettably will say that it even might be against Ohio State. Um, but I feel like that's all they really got in them. And to finish out, like it's just that one good solid win, and then maybe a bull bid. I think you're so, right, honestly. See, I think the the Iowa loss, then the Cincinnati loss. I feel like they've kind of they've got punched in the gut. So now I feel like they're kind of in a state of mind where it's like, well, you know, we're we're not good enough this year to 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 win, you know, the conference. So I feel like because of all the hype that was built up around this team and this season, I feel like that was kind of like I said, a punch to the gut, and now they're kind of taking a step back, and maybe their drive is not as that much there as it used to be um but i don't know i'm not within that program but that's just kind of what it looks like in this the score from uh this western western kentucky games says that justin go ahead one last thing sorry real quick um i mean kind of to hit on your point you just said this just shows how important it is to fa- uh, start fast in college football even if it is full gold and you kind of just scoot shit out your ass and it's not against great teams. Having a fast start is so important as far as like what you just said, as far as momentum, confidence, and all that. If you're starting the season two and two with a lousy win against West, Western Kentucky, I mean, good luck. So, sorry. Yeah, and also one more thing. They only scored three touchdowns and kicked four field goals. So 12 of their points were field goals. That's just crazy to me. They scored two touchdowns in the first quarter and then one in the fourth. Everything in between was four uh, four field goals, which those should all be touchdowns against a team like Western Kentucky. You know what I mean? 
So, right. Okay, so we have come down to our last game, which I think was uh, kind of surprising oh. the way it was played out with this Nebraska Michigan State game. I really thought Michigan State was going to run all over Nebraska. But see, I don't know. Is Nebraska better than their record? Because, I mean, they only lost to Oklahoma by, what, like four or like six or something like that. And now they take Michigan State to overtime and lose by a field goal. So what is really – I'm confused by the state of this Nebraska team. And, and, like, are they good? Are they not good? Are they just not good enough to get over the edge? Or did Michigan State play down to their level? So okay, I'm going to go first. Sorry. I'm going oh. first. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. You're first good. off, Michigan State minus four in my parlay. And they oh. fucked me over. That's oh, right, my man. gosh. I forgot. I forgot about that. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just to, I just want to say one thing. Um, I watched this game. Uh, Nebraska, uh, like I kind of I kind of said a few weeks ago, but I think it was more evident in this game. Nebraska's interior defense, their D line and linebackers are actually kind of solid, and they play really tough. Um, and I think they did, they're doing a great job. But it's like everything else around the, that defense and on the other side of the ball is not good at all. Uh, their O line is garbage. Uh, Adrian or Adrian Martinez has been all over the place, man. Like he literally, he's just running because he can and he's good at it, but that he has to, like he is flushed out all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, Michigan State, come on guys, minus four. And you guys couldn't pull it off. There's, yeah, good at Justin. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if Brash is that good. What I've been hearing and reading about this matchup is that it's just bonkers. These these two teams just it's interesting when they match up. It's always close, regardless of talent level, regardless of who's ranked what. Um, I mean, it's bizarre because I mean, I, going into this game blind, not even knowing that, I figured Michigan State would just destroy them. But there's something about this matchup since Nebraska's won the conference that it's just a close game every time these two schools have met up. So, I mean, I don't know if that holds water, but, you know, after hearing that, you know, this final makes makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, see, I don't know. I This Michigan State team, I think they're just like Maryland. I think that they're going to make some noise. So they won the game that they needed to, um, but I'm just – overly surprised by this this scoreline. I still think Scott Frost may be on the hot seat. I think he's definitely on the hot seat. Oh, he absolutely is. So, yeah, this Nebraska too, who does Nebraska have this next week? They got Northwestern. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, I think if Northwestern beats Nebraska at, at or like a Nebraska loses at home, um, I definitely think Scott Frost's seat gets even hotter. Um, we'll talk about that just in a second. Um, are there any more comments about this game? I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I also wasn't too shocked because this is like bread and butter Big Ten football, like just two teams where we think there should be, you know, an upset and it's an overtime win for the team that, you know, you originally thought was going. Like, you love to see it. You love to see the conference play each other so tough and – and that aspect, I guess there was a positive, but uh, minus four, man. And they won by fucking three. All right. We're going to let you feel your pain on that. We're going to move on. 
Uh, so that was our recap of week four. Let's move on to the preview of week five. Josh, this is your segment. I'm going to let you run down and ask the questions. Uh, don't you want to talk about what happened on the national stage first, though? I mean, we got some big upsets. Uh, we can, but this is big. Ten. Okay, you know what? Right. Well, if that's what you want to go, this all right. Effect- the Big Ten more than anything. <laughs> I mean, Clemson losing to NC State, Arkansas knocking off AM, moving all the way up. Uh, uh, Alabama, who didn't look that great in their one uh, in their in their game against Florida, their, their best opponent so far. College football playoff might be wide open, and is it a hot take to say that we could possibly see a playoff without? Bama, Clemson, or Ohio State in it this year. I mean, I'm loving all of the turnover right now that's happening, and the Big Ten is in a prime opportunity right now. we got a team ranked fourth and fifth. And, uh, no, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to ask you a quick question to your point. So say Iowa runs the table, Penn State runs the table, they clash in the Big Ten championship. Do you see both those teams making it with the current state right now? Because – if they both run the table, that means Ohio State has two losses, so they're out. Clemson's got two losses. They're out. And as you were getting to, Alabama's schedule does not get any easier, but I would still have oh, Alabama as one of those teams in. Uh, you could still see Georgia's maybe get, being one of those teams in. But my question is, in the state of what the college game or the college platform is right now, if Iowa and Penn State run the table, are they both in? No. I mean, could you – could you imagine this picture? This look at this. What if we had a playoff that was Arkansas, Oregon, Iowa, and Penn State? How like how crazy would that be? Like that would be awesome would uh, if be Arkansas ran the table, won the SEC, and then Iowa, Penn State, you know, just had amazing seasons, and they and the committee felt like the Big Ten deserved two teams, and then Oregon looks fantastic on the West Coast. That would be crazy and the thing is i think i might be getting a little too optimistic but you know i could see something like that or close to that happening at this I mean, point you're forgetting about some schools you're forgetting about notre dame you're forgetting about the oh, I know. of cincinnati i mean if you've got if you've got yeah, i exactly. would see one of those there. teams knocked out this weekend oh yes yeah, true they cancel each other out good point um yeah but yeah. If, well look at it this way though like if Notre Dame loses to Cincinnati. I think it's still kind of an early enough loss to where they might have a heartbeat. If Cincinnati loses, they're done because they've got such a short, oh, yeah. you know, such a short leash as far as mm-hmm. the program um, legitimacy is concerned. But I mean, right now, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this in the podcast, I'm I'm gonna say Alabama is probably a lock because I think they're a lock until proven otherwise. Um, Oregon is in a not so great conference, but they look to be very strong. Um, and yeah, whenever I take, your, yeah. take your pick on Iowa and Penn State, those two are you could argue are going to cancel each other out. And then, um, before we continue on this Iowa Penn State comment, I do want to point out they do play each other in the regular season before be we huge. get before we get carried away with ourselves. Good point. Okay, that's huge as well. So, we, we're not going to have well, I mean. It's not that we're not going to have to worry about a rematch. It's just obviously won't hold as much water or weight. Um, but those two will figure each other out, be it the season or the last game. Um, so 
fingers crossed we get a big 10 school that's not in Columbus and I need another day to have two losses. I can't have them. So go, <laughs> go Bearcats. But look at this weekend. Alabama plays Ole Miss. And if you if you've seen the game last year, Lane Kiffin knows how to put points up on Bama, and especially Bama's team last year, which was by far one of the best teams in college football history, offensive wise, and their defense was amazing. Uh, and Ole Miss is ranked twelfth right now. They're three and zero, and they're going to Tuscaloosa. That's a tough, tough game. And then they got to turn around and play A and M, and they have to play Arkansas and Auburn. So. You know, and they only beat Florida by three points. Yeah, you could say it was an early game, but they haven't played anyone else other than that. They've been beaten up on Mercer, uh, Miami, and Southern Miss. Uh, and then the one good game they played against Florida was a, only a three-point win. So, I mean, obviously, Bama is always stacked, extremely talented. But, um, I mean, just looking at that and seeing the turnover in Arkansas looking great and – you know, Lane Kiffin and his history with uh, putting hit, uh, points up on uh, Bama. I mean, it's there. And, and the assuming, SEC oh, – go ahead. I was just going to say – I was going to let you finish. But assuming that they lose one of these games, they still will have to play like a Georgia in the championship game as well. So True. Yeah, true. Or, Arkan, or as Arkansas in the East. Absolute gauntlet. Absolute gauntlet. I don't know how that conference is split up. But. Uh, Arkansas is in the West with them. Georgia is in the East. And, but Georgia still has to play Florida. And those are the two highest-ranked teams in that uh, division. But the West is stacked. I mean, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn, A&M, all ranked. Has Saban still not lost to a coordinator, a former coordinator yet? Which, uh, Yeah, is. I'm pretty sure he's still undefeated from anyone so, from his coaching tree. I mean, clearly he's got the edge – in a head-to-head matchup, history says, you know. But like you said, um, Kiffin has potent offenses. But, I mean, it's one of those things to where – Pretty sure. You know, until proven otherwise, you know what I mean? We'll see what happens. By all means, it'd be really cool to see if, you know, it would just create more parity, which is which is great for the game and whatever I feel everyone wants is just parity. Yeah, I, I think – So, we, last year's score – Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Last year's score between Ole Miss and Alabama was 63 to 48. And if I remember correctly, it was like a super close game up until later in the fourth, and then Bama kind of broke it open. But, uh, but yeah, 48 points against uh, uh, this, that Bama defense last year. I mean, and it was early in the season too. So, I mean, I, I, I see the recipe for an upset. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of me hoping it happens so we can see some craziness. But <laughs> I think it's already been crazy. But one quick thing before Ryan goes, can we all agree that Clemson's completely out now? There is no chance they make it to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. With yeah. two-loss team in the ACC, not a chance. And to an unranked NC State team. So, yes, I agree. Yeah, Clemson's out. And, and to be honest, they could only – they could finish the year 9-3, and three, and I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah. In Oklahoma. Even, I mean, or even in four. I, I don't. Oklahoma, they're skating by. I, I don't think they're going to finish the year undefeated either. So I think it really comes down to what happens with Bama and all these games against like your Arkansas and your Georgia. That will happen in, if they make it to the championship game, assuming Georgia's there as well. Um, so it's basically going to come down to how things play out with the SEC and Big Ten like it always does. Um, so I think – go ahead. Uh, here's – no, you go ahead and finish up yours. Well, I was just going to say, because I, I feel like 
Oregon's probably going to run the table in the Pac-12. Well, I think I, – obviously not a guarantee, but I think probably I would say Oregon. Um, and then a team from the Big Ten would be a lock. Um, but the whole dynamic of Clemson having two losses, Cincinnati and Notre Dame having to play each other, knocking one of those out, I think it ultimately is going to come down to more than ever how the SEC plays out, how the Big Ten plays out. Yeah, and like you just said, I think the biggest issue that um, other than Clemson running the table in the ACC and Bama, who usually runs the table in the SEC, is the biggest problem with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is that we kind of self-destruct each other. You know what I mean? Like, we'll have a team who's ready to get in there and is doing well, but we just have such we'll – they'll just take that one loss – that one loss in the regular season against a team that isn't as highly ranked as, per se, an Alabama losing to a Georgia or a Clemson losing to a Notre Dame like last year. And that one loss will kill them. Just like if Oregon were to lose to freaking uh, Oregon State like they did last year. I mean, if that happens, Oregon's done. They're, they're done, even with that one loss, because then the committee's just going to look at the SEC, look at that one loss champ, uh, whoever that may be, oh, like Georgia, if they don't lose a game until they lose to Bama in the conference championship, and then they're just going to get in. So, like, a part of me is kind of nervous because I know how the Big Ten is, and I know if, like, if Iowa and Penn State are both trying to get in, and, you know, I feel like we just need to make sure our conference doesn't kind of, like, self-destruct on itself. But at the same time, you want that because that's what college football is all about. You want to see the upsets, even though it comes at the expense of possibly knocking a team out of a team in your own conference out of the playoff which, of course, brings its own, you know, um, uh, benefits to the conference itself. One last point I want to make uh, for myself is I think you have to have an undefeated Big Ten school for the Big Ten to be represented, period. Um, or else we're looking at a potential of two SEC schools getting in again. Um, so, you know, unless, unless Notre Dame runs a table, I mean, Big Ten has to go undefeated or we're looking at, you know, Alabama or whoever getting in there. Um, ultimately, that may not happen, um, despite – Oh, my you know, gosh. <laughs> two best I teams just, leaving. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just looked ahead. Uh, actually, after this week, Penn State and Iowa play each other. Yeah, we thought Iowa. we brought that up earlier. Oh, we did? Okay. Yeah, when, oh, Justin, when Justin was going earlier, I, I, I threw that in there as, like, a whole other dynamic. So. so, like, that right there could immediately – affect another especially especially if like something happened to where like Penn State let's say like Penn State lost that game and then Iowa and Penn State both face each other in the Big Ten and then Penn State won that game then what do you do you have both teams that have have one loss to each other like do you still like you have to respect that at least you know even though one came earlier one came oh my gosh like that would cause see another thing another thing too is not that this is going to happen because I don't think it will this is just hypothetical but you have Michigan undefeated, you have Michigan State undefeated, you have Maryland undefeated. So say like Iowa beats Penn State, but then one of these other teams from the East goes undefeated, you know, they beat Penn State and Ohio State, and then you have that undefeated matchup in the Big Ten Championship. I feel like you have to put them both in because of the other yeah. dynamic we have right now. Yeah. But both I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, like if, if you have an, two undefeated teams playing the Big Ten Championship, I feel like because of where Clemson's at and where uh, what's 
what's going to happen due to scheduling in the SEC, I feel like you'd have to put both of them in. Well, let me ask you this question in response. So if, say, you've got two undefeated SEC schools facing each other off, you know, do you think one of both of those schools should get in over the whatever Big Ten school? Because obviously the SEC is substantially more competitive and stronger, right? It's not a really a question whether they should or whether they not. Um, it will happen. So um, history tells us that if there's, if, there's, if there's two undefeated SEC teams in their conference championship and then there's two undefeated Big Ten teams in their conference championship, no matter what, without question, I think we'll go to the SEC. Whether that's right or wrong, it's all personal opinion, but that's just naturally what's going to happen. <laughs> well, but yeah, so um, I think that this is another this is a, a question that we can ask ourselves every week as like especially after this week we got this week and next week we've got some big games um, more so outside of the Big Ten than in the Big Ten like the Michigan Wisconsin game Wisconsin can win knocks Michigan out um, so not that they're really a threat to go undefeated anyway, but it would just knock them out. Um, yeah, but see, Iowa, Maryland, another big game that could knock Iowa, you know. So uh, I think this is a, something we should definitely recon, reconvene on after this week. Um, do you guys have any more comments on this topic? I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, there's always that, like, that week – in the college football season where like things really change. And I feel like this was that week where um, it's not just Clemson losing, but like Arkansas making a statement win over A&M at, and uh, Justin, you'll hate on this one. That was another neutral site game. That was in uh, the Cowboys stadium. And I thought that was dumb. It should have been in at Kyle field or in Razorback stadium. It would have been so much more electric, but um, you know, Jerry Jones being a Arkansas alumnus, you know, he wanted to have his Razorbacks there, I guess. It was kind of dumb, but still major win. And like, it, it, it just everything that we see, we're seeing happening right now, especially with Clemson taking two losses, like it's a huge upset. Like this is huge. This completely changes the whole aspect of the playoff because essentially it could eliminate an ACC team. From, or from even having a chance, you know? You look at the rest of the ACC, like, do you guys see any other team that, like, really bounces out to you? I mean, NC State made a case for themselves, but didn't they already have a loss? I'm pretty sure they already had a loss. Um, Miami, they're not nothing. They've been beat up on everyone. Florida State's garbage. So, I mean, this could essentially make it a four-conference race with UC being a non-Power 5 also being uh, in the running as well. So... I think this is that first monumental week, and I, I just really was excited um, waking up Sunday morning, hungover as hell, and just seeing all the mayhem. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, I think after another week, we got some huge games. I think we'll be able to kind of see um, where we're at. Uh, but my last question before we move on. If we if the playoffs started next week, who are your four teams as of right now? I w- I just want to get this recorded so that way we can come back to it and we can see how ridiculous they are. Um, wait, are we going off who we think or who looking at like what it is right now should be in? 
Um, like, like I who do you feel it, should be in? Or I feel like, yeah, who do you feel should be in based okay. on um, what we've seen? Um, I would definitely go Alabama 1. Um, I would go uh, Oregon 2, um, Penn State 3, and I'd put Arkansas in at 4. Okay, so – Mine only differs with the four spot, and I hate myself for doing this, but I mean, I probably put Notre Dame there, I guess. Because I mean, oh. right? Um, I don't agree with that. I'd agree just because. Um, who's her statement wins, though? Like, who's her statement wins? NBC. Other than Wisconsin. Having NBC. NBC. <laughs> That's all they need. Money. See Arkansas, Arkansas beat A and M. They beat Texas, and, and um, they're a team that was not projected to do that stuff. And just look how high they skyrocketed off of that. I feel like those two, those two wins are immense compared to any team that Notre Dame's beaten. And um, you know, it, you can even put Iowa. You can even have Iowa in that same conversation. Um, but to me, they have two really big, significant wins against teams that they were not supposed to beat, and they're proving to be a really dominant, uh, scary SEC team. So that's what yeah. Uh, man, that's tough because I like both of those. I was gonna say Justin's. Uh, I was gonna match his four, but I, I really, I, I think Josh kind of persuaded me to go with his four only because of. I think Arkansas has proven a little bit more. Um, but from an eye test standpoint, man, I think I'd still go with Arkansas. I, I yeah, I'd I mean, go I'd go Alabama, Oregon, uh, Penn State, and then Arkansas. But here's the thing though, I would switch Oregon and Penn State. I'd put Penn State at two. I mean, the the other the, I mean, if you look at the other teams around around this area right now, I mean, there's Georgia, obviously. But I feel like that Clemson loss has decreased a bit. Um, and honestly, uh, by putting Alabama in there, I'm assuming that uh, they had beaten Georgia and that Arkansas also lost to Alabama, but, you know, it was a closer one. But look at Oklahoma. No, they haven't done anything. Cincinnati, they're looking great. But if we were to do it right now, that means that Cincinnati hasn't played Notre Dame yet. Um, so I wouldn't put them in. And then Florida, I mean, they barely lost to Alabama, but they haven't beaten anyone else. So, I mean, that four spot could be anyone between Iowa, Arkansas, and uh, Georgia, in my opinion. But hey, I'd go with Arkansas, Arkansas right now, man. I think your Arkansas pick is motivate, motivated by that poll you like so much. Like, that's embedded in you so much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess who so. they played this week, though? Guess who Arkansas plays this week at noon? Uh, at Georgia, ooh. huge game. If they beat Georgia, that oh yeah, <laughs> and oh. Alabama's got to play Ole Miss. Like, there's so much that could happen this week. This is that's huge. why I said with like those two games in the SEC, and then you got uh, Cincinnati, Notre, Notre Dame, UC, Notre yeah, Dame, that's UC, a big one. Um, you got Iowa, and Maryland, only because I feel like if Maryland somehow pulls that off, it throws Iowa out of discussion. Um, IU could beat yeah. Penn State. I don't think it's going to happen based no. on how they put, play, how they play. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like they could. So I feel like there's a lot of big matchups that could totally change the whole landscape of our conversation right now. This is great how it yep, all is falling uh, into place. 
So yeah, and then it, and then the crazy. last matchup I threw out there is Michigan and Wisconsin. So if we're going to keep it Big Ten, so I think we've hit enough on that topic. Uh, let's go ahead and start breaking down um, our picks, our pickums, right. our reasons why, and let's get into these Week Five matchups. Josh, take over. Okay, uh, let me just pull up AJ's real fast so I can say his. And he can be represented. All right, so this first one, Iowa at Maryland, is a Friday night game. Um, I know that we are still kind of iffy on those, but I think this is going to be an exciting one. It's kickoff at 8 o'clock, so it might be another, it's going to be a late one. But um, AJ is going with Iowa. I am also going to agree with him. As I stated earlier, Maryland's offense is amazing. Um, it's spectacular to watch. But the other end of the spectrum, I could see how it could send just eating this defense alive and Sam Laporta amazing uh, Petrus he'll his game manager skills will get him through it um, so I'm going Iowa I'm gonna go Iowa um, very tough pick because I really think Maryland can can make some noise here and make that signature get that signature win and make an upset but I just think that um, to Josh's point I don't think their defense is good enough and I I really think that Iowa, from an overall team standpoint, is just a better team. Uh, Maryland it is in Maryland, so that is what's up. That's another thing to look at. It is in Maryland too. Okay. Um, I just feel like I, I watched. I think the most I've seen out of Maryland was the Maryland Illinois game, and they did not impress me at all. So, I think I, it's a little biased based on just that one game. Um, but I have seen a lot more Iowa. I think, yeah, I'm going to stick with Iowa. Um, kind of to Josh's point, I'm disappointed this is on the Friday. This is a Friday game. Like, I think this Charlotte-Illinois game and this game should flip-flop in this Iowa-Maryland game on <laughs> Saturday night game. This is stupid, stupid. Anyway, yeah, um, I think this one's going to be close. Obviously, Maryland has somewhat proven their worth so far. Um so they're going to hang around, but I think going back to Iowa's, you know, um, uh, opportunistic defensive play, I think that's going to come in into play in this game. I think um, I'm not even going to try to say his name because it's I can't do it, but I'm going with Iowa here. Yeah, good call. Um, but I think he's going to throw <laughs> some picks in this game or turn the ball over. Um, as I think Iowa's just a better Second team. Yeah, I think Iowa's just a better team here. I agree. Moving on to the next one, uh, another uh, 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 team, ranked team going to the East Coast, Ohio State at Rutgers in Piscataway. AJ likes Ohio State. Um, as an Ohio State fan, I can tell you um, I am very nervous about this game. Um, I don't think the defense has taken, uh, obviously, Akron, Anomaly, though, it's Akron. Um, I still feel like the defense hasn't taken enough steps for me to feel super confident in them. Uh, Rutgers, as we know, just had a, uh, a tough win against Michigan and only losing by seven. Uh, I feel like this Greg Shaw's got this program in the right direction. If there is going to be an upset this week, I will say it's it might be here. I'm still going to go Ohio State, but uh, – if it does happen, you you will find me crying, but also not shocked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I need to see more out of Ohio State. They just have not impressed me yet this year. Um, I'm still going to stick with the Buckeyes because I just don't think 
from a talent level, Rutgers is there yet. But I do think that Rutgers is going to make Ohio State fans' heads turn, and it's going to frustrate. They're going to frustrate Ohio State all day long. It's not going to be a pretty game, I don't think. But I still think the Buckeyes will pull it out. I, um, you know, Josh spoke earlier on Ohio State's upset potential this year. Um, one being at IU. I think this is a game that happens. I'm going with Rutgers. Oh, um, wow. I have no, I have no faith in uh, Indiana. Um, I do believe it. Ohio State is going to get beat on the road this year. I, they've got some kinks in their armor. They've got, they have no choice but to play young quarterbacks. That's a huge ingredient to struggle on the road. Um, I just think so far Rutgers has proven to be more competent than Indiana. If we're if we're comparing those two circumstances, I think this game is way more dangerous than the one in Bloomington. You also went with Rutgers last week to upset Michigan, and you came very close to that, sir. So um, yes, sir. definitely a lot of weight behind that pick. All right, on to the next one. We got Michigan at Wisconsin. Um, AJ is going with Michigan. Um, I am going to have to agree. Um, after seeing the effort made by Graham Mertz last week against Notre Dame, a defense that I think is fairly similar to Michigan's and um, just Michigan's ground game, uh, I, I think it's going to be really low scoring, but um, I'm going to have more uh, stock in Mertz making those mistakes that it's going to allow Michigan to get this win. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be some low-scoring defensive football, I feel like, because Wisconsin's defense is very talented. Jack Sanborn went nuts, um, and I think the, uh, I, but I still feel like the Wolverines pull off a win in uh, Madison. So I'm going to go with the uh, Badgers in this one. Um, I think Wisconsin very easily can win this game without question. Um, I just feel like Wisconsin at home coming off the loss to Notre Dame, they got kicked in the mouth. I think this is a, a very big nut up or shut up game. And I feel like Wisconsin will get it done. Uh, again, Michigan hasn't really, I think the best team they've played so far is Rutgers. So not to knock anything say anything bad about Rutgers, but that's the best team they've played so far. Um, Wisconsin's played Penn State and Notre Dame already, so they've been in these big games twice. Um, I think Wisconsin will pull this one out. I agree. I think Wisconsin's going to win this game, and I'll tell you two main factors here. And, and this is subtle, and this is something I kind of recognized when they played uh, Penn State in week one. Um, this is technically going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff for Michigan. So they're going to start an hour earlier than they're used to, which, you know, could be a motivating factor and a performance factor. Um, another thing, this is one of those old school Michigan, Wisconsin, noon ABC games where Keith Jackson would call a six to nine final, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. we could be looking at something very similar. Um, not to that extent. Hell, we almost saw something very similar in week one. You know, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just, like I said, I think water finds its level as far as Michigan and their ball, um, you know, control. So I think they're going to turn the ball over at least two times. And I think Wisconsin's going to write this chip here. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to the next one. Um, just want to say real quick, I absolutely love the fact we're transitioning into Big Ten play. And it's really disappointing 
when you see that we have some, a few non-conference games scattered about. But after this week, other than one random Army at Wisconsin game in Week 7, this is the last week of non-conference. I just want to say I'm so happy about that, and I'm tired of seeing cupcake games. Let's get into the Big Ten slate. I love it. So next one is IU at Penn State. Um, AJ is going with Penn State. Um, you know what? I am going to agree with him. Um, I feel like, uh, like we kind of talked about earlier, this IU team isn't really at the position we were expecting them to be to make this game more competitive. A two-point win over Western Kentucky is not impressive. I think this Penn State team is taking itself very seriously this year. And like Justin said earlier, too, this is kind of a revenge game. Um, so I expect Penn State to take care of business and send the Hoosiers packing out of Happy Valley not happy. I think uh, Penn State minus 12 and a half is an absolute lock. I would hammer that. Um, this Indiana team, high again, high expectations, and then they're going to start the year two and three. Um, granted, those three losses are going to be against all quality opponents. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think it's they're not going to have the magic they had last year in Bloomington uh, when they go to Happy Valley. So I think Penn State takes care of business pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, I figured we'd all go chalk here. Um, even if Indiana had a hot start and were, you know, by chance undefeated, this would still be a game where a lot of people would pick Penn State just because, you know, IU at Penn State historically and, you know, IU anywhere historically sucks. So it'd be hard not to pick Penn State here regardless of records. All righty. And moving on to a not a very exciting matchup, but uh, – all the same, we're going to have to pick it. Charlotte at Illinois. Um, Charlotte is a, uh, a continual bottom feeder team. Not a very good program at all. However, they did get their first signature win at the beginning of the year against Florida State. That was huge for that program. Uh, Duke. Duke, my bad. Um, I knew it was one of those crappy ACC teams. <laughs> anyway, um, AJ is going Illinois, and I will agree with him. Um, will Charlotte give them a game, uh, seeing how they did against UTSA? Uh, probably, uh, but I'm still going to roll with the Big Ten here, and I think Illinois gets an easy dub this weekend. Uh, as bad as Illinois is, they already lost to Texas San Antonio. I don't think they let that happen twice in one season, so I'm going to stick with Illinois. I'm going to go with Illinois, too. They'd be dumb if they didn't just feed their running back all game. Just feed him right up the gut and just win the game. Big 10 stop. Yep. All right. Moving on from that crappy one, uh, we got Minnesota at Purdue. Uh, we already talked about this one quite a bit. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of eyes on this one from both programs, both fan bases, um, starting off the Big 10 slate. Minnesota obviously got struggles, and Purdue's got some struggles as well. Uh, AJ is not uh, not surprisingly uh, going Purdue. I am also going to go Purdue, um, it being a West Lafayette. Uh, I think Minnesota is just they, – if they can't beat Bowling Green um, and they're just going to look lost there, then I think Purdue's still going to pull off a nice win this weekend. So Purdue is three and one, only loss coming to Notre Dame, who is a top ten team at Notre Dame, only by two touchdowns. Minnesota just lost to Bowling Green, who was favored to win or who was projected to win only 
I will. I didn't say my pick yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <coughs> they lost to a team <laughs> that was uh, only favored to win or projected to win one one and a half games. I have no confidence in Purdue to win this game at all, but I'm still going to pick Purdue. I think it's going to be <laughs> a really, really bad game unless they can get some players back and be somewhat healthy. Um, that bye week coming up is going to be crucial. So if we can win this game, get into the bye week, and then go to Iowa, I, I think it'll be good for us. Uh, but yeah, I got boilers in a close game. So this is the fork in the road for Purdue season, so to speak. So if you go into this bye with a loss, going into potentially your toughest game of the season at Iowa, you're standing yourself up for failure. So I've, I've heard a lot of media around the Purdue program say, this is a must win, this is a must win, this is a must win. In my opinion, this is a must win. Because if you lose this game, Going back to the conversation we had about quarterbacks and inconsistency and injuries, got it, looks like, you know? So Minnesota right now is is a very beatable team. They are not playing well, clearly, from the result last week. Um, I really hope – I mean, I'm thinking O'Connell gets the, gets the, the start. Um, I really hope he plays well. Um, Boilers by 10. All right. Moving on, uh, the other, uh, well, seeing as both these teams played last week, it might actually be kind of interesting. Uh, we got Western Kentucky at Michigan State. Uh, Western Kentucky going to get themselves another nice paycheck. Uh, AJ went sparty on this one. Um, I'm going to have to agree. Uh, they had kind of a, a thriller against uh, Nebraska. I don't think Michigan State was expecting that. Um, I feel like this is a good last tune-up game before entering the Big Ten slate. Uh, they got Rutgers next week, and as we know, Rutgers is a good team, so they definitely need to get stuff figured out and get a nice win under their belt this week. So I'm going Sparty, and uh, probably going to say – actually, you know what? I'm not going to say the spread because they'll probably just screw me over again on my parlay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... Definitely a, a tough – it's ten and a half. That's a very tough spread. I don't know which side of the oh fence. Oh, my god! I don't know which side of the fence. I, that's one I would stay away from. Just absolutely stay away from. But that is a – Totally take. Oh, good. Uh, but I am going to go Sparty. Um, I, I think that they're pretty solid. I love Peyton Thorne. I love Kenneth Walker. I don't see them losing this game at home. Uh, Ryan, I'm sorry, but uh, you're facing Walker this week in fantasy, and he's gonna put some good good points on you. So oh yeah, that. So um, that's not really uh, favorable in your effort to not sing karaoke one day. Um, hey, we're all two and two. Hey, we're all two and two, baby. We're all right there. Hey, we'll see what happens. I probably just fucked myself. Anyway, uh, yeah, you just jinxed the yeah. shit out of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, Michigan State's going to win this one. Just feed number eight. That's all you got to do. Or nine, <laughs> number nine, I think, right? All Andrew, right. <laughs> the running back. Anyway, moving on to the last uh, matchup of the, uh, of the, of the day. Um, we got Northwestern at Nebraska. Uh, two teams that are haven't had a really 
uh, a great start to their season. Um, one of them is going to have to get the leg up on on one of the other this this uh, this uh, this Saturday. Um, a West matchup is definitely an important W for either. Uh, AJ is going with Nebraska, and while Northwestern is, I'm tempted to pick them. I will also go Nebraska. Um, I think they showed. I think they showed uh, themselves something this past weekend against Michigan State, a team that they thought they were going to get probably get destroyed by. And like I said, Nebraska's interior defense is kind of pretty solid. Those edge rushers, D linemen, linebackers, pretty pretty good. And I feel like Northwestern's offense is a massive question mark. So uh, that might be the difference right there. So I'm going to go with Nebraska on this one. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Nebraska. Um, this is kind of the toilet bowl of the Big Ten West, so that's just pretty shitty. Uh, so, yeah, so simply put, I think Cornhuskers went at home against a not-so-good North, uh, Northwestern team. Yeah, I think the difference here is that it's in Lincoln. I, Nebraska's trash, but they still got a pretty solid home field advantage, and I think that's the difference. So Nebraska's winning the tournament. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for our pickums this week. Um, since we haven't done this in a while, I'm going to go ahead and look at the overall rankings so far this season. In first is AJ. He's 38-9. In second, at 36-11. Ryan's coming in at third at 33 and 14, and Justin is pulling up last at 30 and 17. So getting in the conference slate, it's going to be a little bit tougher to gain some ground, but uh, we definitely there's definitely a chance if you call the right games. Um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is just our fantasy teams. I think I got Justin this week, right? I'm going against you. Yep. No, our last matchup this year was pretty uh, exciting, but uh, I'm definitely loving my lineup, and I feel like I have the best team in this league, even though I got unlucky last week thanks to Ohio State's defense dropping a 39 bomb on me or something crazy like that against Akron. But luckily, I don't worry about those anymore. I'm actively trying to pick up a quarterback as we speak because um, <laughs> I'm not starting Tanner Morgan again. Hey, send me an offer. Send me an offer for Tago Bailoa. Uh, or Stroud. Well, or Stroud. Hmm. You want Plummer? No. I don't, <laughs> you guys are just throwing shit in my face, and it's just like I just – Seeing if it sticks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I think we have one more topic, Justin. You wanted to bring something up and then Yeah. Yeah. So um it's quite bizarre and super convenient. Um, you got a matchup on Sunday night football this week between uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the New England Patriots. And guess who's going back home, boys? And guess what he's Brady. about to do? He's about to pass our boy Drew Brees in the all-time career yardage mark. Oh wow. Um, so he is, I want to guess, just over 60-some-odd yards away. Um, That's definitely happening. No, oh, it's oh, for sure. And it's so, like, it's it's almost gross on how well this lined up, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a total, it's a total catering scenario. It's kind of, kind of makes, 
me want to vomit a little bit, but um, <laughs> I mean, kudos to Brady. I mean, he's one of those guys that a lot of people hate, but I mean, if, if you hate him, you have to, in my opinion, respect him to an extent. Um, despite how, what he does off the field, you know, all that, whatever, their past, whatever. I mean, I respect him, but it is annoying. Um, but I will say Breeze got to his spot in substantially fewer games, a lot less playoff games. Fortunately, a lot less Super Bowls, but nonetheless, I mean, it's 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 going to be pretty historic and neat to see that done there. And the dynamic of him and Belichick um, is palpable. Um, so, it, it, I mean, I don't know if I'll watch a lick of this game. I'm indifferent. I could care less. I frankly hate the NFL, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a very it's a very neat and extraordinarily rare um, circumstance to watch. So. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought that was pretty relevant, especially being um, they were both former Big Ten quarterbacks and have um, clearly surpassed the 20-year career mark. So, yeah, I mean, my uh, the NFL is fun. I love it. I love fantasy. I love my team. Um, However, I still think college football is the superior sport in America. Um, I'll defend that always. Um, But like you said, this is an important uh, milestone. And whether, however you feel about Brady and however you feel about Breeze, um, I really think that, I mean, this hat's off to Tom Brady because, I mean, to play the game of football as long as he does, to put himself in this position, the longevity of it, especially and, and Drew Brees too coming off, we all know his significant shoulder injury. And if you all haven't read his book yet, his book is amazing on how he faced that adversity and basically what he went, he almost basically quit playing football. It was, uh, it was crazy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, hats off to Brady putting himself in this position to begin with. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we couldn't see it for a few more seasons cause Breeze, you know, it was time. Um, but uh, still a huge, uh, still a huge, uh, 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 milestone in uh, football, even though it is a Michigan quarterback getting it, which is bittersweet <laughs> to say the least. But, uh, you know, um, I'll probably be watching that game. And uh, just like I watched when Drew Brees broke the record. And uh, yeah, so um, how how close is he? And did he already surpass him in touchdowns? Or is that still... Does Brees pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he surpassed. They went back and forth last year, I believe, and then Brees ended his oh, okay. second. Yeah, so really cool, um, really cool history. And like you said, yeah, two Big Ten quarterbacks. It's nice to see that uh, our conference has produced such talented quarterbacks throughout um, the years and just produced amazing football players in general. Um, the Big Ten can really hold their heads high on that, so – uh, yeah, definitely a cool thing. Can't wait to watch it. Still waiting on that competent Ohio State quarterback. Hey, hey, it'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Fields got sacked nine times on Sunday. I just felt bad Dark. for him because, I mean, like, dude, the Bears, that's not the scheme he needs to be with right now. That coach right. needs to freaking go. And all the Bears fans I know agree, too. He needs to go. They need to bring on a fresh offensive mind in there. But oh, sacked nine times in a game against Miles, uh, against guys like Miles Garrett and stuff. That's rough, man. You don't want to see any guy go through that. And unfortunately, he had to. Yeah. Uh, so about that game, um, I'm not a Brady fan, but I'm also not a Brady f- hater. 
Um, so I think it's just inevitable that he's probably the best or one of the best ever. Um, so kudos to him. Uh, I will only be watching that game because of fantasy implications. I will say that. Um, but yeah, so I think that's it for this show. Does anybody else have anything they want to talk about before we wrap up? Uh, no, I'm just excited this weekend. Like we had talked about it earlier, like I, I am so hyped for the games that are going on and not just Ohio State Rutgers, but like I'm going to be all over the place this weekend. I'm so excited. So, so I will be at that Purdue Minnesota game with our fellow podcaster, AJ. Uh, so it'll be a good time. First game of the year for me. Pretty excited. Uh, yeah. So let's go Boilers. Uh, let's have a really good weekend for the Big Ten. And I will see you boys on the flip. This is the Full Sin Perspective. Follow us on Spotify or listen to us on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, look for us out on Bleacher Report. Uh, and look at our website, which I do not know what it is off the top of my head, but the link is in our Twitter. Uh, so this is week four recap, week five preview of the Big Ten Conference by the Full Sin Perspective.